Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Jordan as Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, as the guy who was blown away by just how far we've come in just one year. Can you believe that it was one year ago that episode 55 came out? An episode that saw Nari and the boys get practically decimated by a bunch of drug-enhanced cultists in Tabori's castle and keep? No way. That was a year ago? That was a year ago. And one year before that, we had episode 7 release, which was the episode where Jordan introduced Spider Butt Rope, trademark, to the world. (laughs) (laughs) I sure did. And we've never looked back. (sighs) R.I.P. Abby, but not the Spider Butt Rope. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, today's release will finally feature that long-awaited TPK I've been foreshadowing for so long. Oh, what? But thank you guys for following us on your podcasting apps, rating us five stars, and giving us glowing reviews. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) If you want some merch, then we have a store at 12sidedguys.com slash shop. And you can always get more 12-Sided Guys content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. Maddie recently became a patron and has been hanging out on the Twitch stream we've been doing pretty much weekly on Monday nights. So, Maddie, your little gift from us for becoming a patron is on its way. And for hanging out on the stream, here's a little poem for you, written by that weaver of words, the poet laureate of Tabory himself, Pine. To Maddie, our newest patron. Bonus content, you get a ton. They grow up so fast, outtakes and some maps. And didn't we meet at the con? That was beautiful. (laughs) And to be fair, we did meet Maddie at... Um, fan X, and uh, she informed me that um, Sabrina pressured her into listening to the podcast, and she has never looked back. Way to bully, Sabrina. <laughs> I did no such thing. <laughs> it was high-pressure sales. <laughs> well, if you ever got swarmed by a bunch of yellow, black, and red chocobos while trying to cross the Thinneth River, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 103. My son, you have your opening. As you no doubt have heard, the Marchioness Judge Annette has twice publicly disgraced herself and has been officially detained within the city. While her first offense was unsporting and highly illegal, I do not begrudge her the second offense. Were I in her place, I cannot say I would have been able to hold back either. Richter and I issued official challenges to retain our titles as Swords of the Heavens, to which our opponents readily agreed. Richter comported himself every bit the blazing sun of the eastern sky during his duel with Cassian. He was dispassionate, calculating, simultaneously evaluating and defeating his opponent. I, on the other hand, was every bit the blossoming storm of the western sky. My fight was chaotic, emotional and mortal. Etienne demanded a duel to the death and I obliged. His wife, Annette, refused to sit idle and twice provided him magical succor discreetly mid-combat. This did not go unnoticed. That was her first transgression. Despite the outside aid, I bested Etienne and delivered a mortal blow. 
to the death were the terms he required of my request, and, and I do not regret accepting them, though I do wish it had ended differently. I'd intended to set a portion of my strength in reserve to revive him should I win, but the fight grew ever more dire, and victory took all I possessed. When even the Marchioness Gardener of Moshe was unable to revive Etienne, Annette committed her second transgression. She used some form of magic to encase herself in a destructive suit of armor and raged at those in attendance. My colleagues and I beat back the magical form and eventually her sorrow overcame her anger and she relented. She was taken into custody, leaving only uncertainty to occupy the seat of judgment in the Abbey of Balance. Termred, should you follow through with your plans, I feel the confusion resulting from these developments would be an immense help, but I would like to propose another path. You. Without Annette's presence, you stand a chance of being heard among the followers of Lord Astraman. Make your case in their temple. Appeal to justice for those so long treated unjustly and unmercifully. Surely, as a student of the law, you have ties to the service of the Lord of Justice. Remind them that they choose their representative. It is not chosen for them. Hell, put forth your name as a candidate, as one dedicated to the cause of justice in Kalinium and throughout Menarest. Annette's fall can catalyze change for the better, or it can kick off a time of bloodshed and revolution. You have the forces, and now you have the opportunity. I trust you to choose what happens next with wisdom and caution. I feel I've already done all that my sword could for you in this situation, but know that if you request my presence, I will stay. Otherwise, I now go with my colleagues to a conflict for the salvation not only of Menarest, but of Pavantus as a whole. We will lead on the whereabouts of the Herald of Stone and Dirt. There's a farm that still stands productive, while all around it falls to the shaking. We have reason to believe this is where we will find them, and lords and ladies willing end their destructive reign. I will see you again, Temrid. May it be in a more just and equitable Menarest, one with a future free from disdain between our brothers and sisters and the looming fear of near-unavoidable destruction. I love you, son. Papa. P.S. The lords preserve, the ladies protect, and through balance, victory. That was awesome. Donkashern. <laughs> Bitter. Bittershern. It's getting weirder and I love it. <laughs> Bitter mein Herr. Are you a little German boy? Yeah. Es war populär. <laughs> See, I always say populär. <laughs> a rocky doll. <laughs> All right. Uh, we join Nari and the boys 2.0 as they are heading north outside of the city of Kalinium. One day after the events in the dueling grounds. Um, before you guys left the city of Clinium on your way to the Blanchard and then the Millet farm, is there anything that you guys wanted to do uh, in the city of uh, Clinium before you left? I think we'd mentioned wanting to have a qu- at least a quick conversation with the Martianess gardener of Moshe. I can't remember what her what her name was, but we wanted to see kind of what her take on like the situation with Moshe and his presence and his power is right now. 
Okay. Yeah. Her name is uh, Marchioness Gardner uh, Clotilde, but you can just call her Gardner or Marchioness. So it's fine. So you wanted to have a conversation with her. Anything else you guys wanted to try to do? I think I'm good for this city. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything in particular. Well, I do want to get my, I guess I do want to get my, this uh, staff changed over to an X. Okay. And then Richter is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Roos has just the faintest little bit of stubble over his lips right now. (gasps) (laughs) Your characters would really have to pass a high perception check to notice, though. He's really trying. Uh, Sabrina notices it. I mean, Nari notices it with her high perception. (laughs) What's that on your face? Did some of the bigger kids push your face in the sand? (laughs) (laughs) That's straight out of an episode of Married with Children, I think, is where I I originally heard that one. Oh, gosh. that's. Were they making fun of your clothing, Roos? I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, Nari, um, we'll, we, can, uh, we can deal with your staff, turning the staff of Tiderius potentially into an axe of Tiderius. We'll say, Nari, that you go to the, um, the Market of the Martyrs, which is a, a big open square outside of kind of the Skyport, as well as the Abbey of Balance. There is this large open square with lots of different vendors. That's where Gerard has been hanging out, um, selling his wares with Porthos. And you walk amongst the different um, stalls and the different tents, and you do find um, you find a man who is pounding away on an anvil. It looks like he's making weapons of some sort. And as you talk to him and you show him the staff and you mention that you know you really like it to be an axe. Um, you're wondering if there's any way that he could keep his magical potential, but change it into an axe. He starts, um, you know, he's like thinking about it. You can see him like he, he takes the staff in his hands very, very gently. He places it down on the anvil. He's looking at it. He takes out like a, a cord. He starts measuring. He starts, gets out a piece of paper, starts drawing like diagrams. And I mean, this whole thing is like taking, you know, 20 minutes as you're sitting there watching him do all of his work. Um, and then he walks over to a, um, like a bucket that has a bunch of, um, like uh, weapons in it and he pulls out this great axe and he takes it over to the anvil and he sets it on there and snaps the head of the axe off pulls it off and slams it onto the end of the staff and just starts pounding on it with a hammer and uh hands it over to you and asks you for 30 gold pieces uh and now your uh your staff of tiderius is now a great axe of tiderius um so there you go hell yeah nice so now nari you've got you've got the adjudicator's axe as well as the staff of tidy or the axe of tiderius um but they i believe they both require attunement so be aware of that all right well i'm gonna start sleeping with it at night so (laughs) (laughs) it's how you do just be careful not to snuggle up next to you get a rash from the, the blade oil you know Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't want any splinters on my uh, lady bits. <laughs> <laughs> that was an outtake from before. That's going to be in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> okay. Um, and that's so that so great. Um, Nari, you have your axe. So as you are riding along, also, if anybody wants to buy a horse uh, to make the travel easier, they are 75 gold a piece for a riding horse. We have um, feathers, the beekaboo as well as crumbles but um we have richter Borg, and Borg, Borg. <laughs> Borg, Borg. <laughs> we have richter as well as nari who do not currently have mounts so 75 gold pieces will get you a riding horse i'd buy a i'd buy a big horse to to get me to and fro where i need to be okay 
So a draft horse is 50 bucks, but it's not necessarily for riding. It's more for pulling plows. If you can get a horse that's big enough to carry you for, for 75, that's fine. <laughs> you get, you get a, a big draft horse and you just ride on the back of a plow. You're just plowing up the road as you go. <laughs> You're moving so incredibly slow. <laughs> but we're planting rutabagas. Pine wants to talk with um, Clotilde, the, the gardener, the Marchioness gardener, the, um, the representative of Moshe on this Council of Six. Uh, who else would like to be there? Um, we'll say this can take place at the dueling grounds, basically right after uh, Marchioness uh, Judge Annette is taken away in custody. I'll say to I'll say to Richter. Hey Richter, we'll go get drinks at the lounging hound after. But I I kind of wanted to pick the the gardener's brain. Yeah. I believe that uh, I'd like to uh, to accompany you if that's okay. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? I'll go save us seats at the tavern. <laughs> I'll come with you, Reese. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so, Richter and Pine, you you guys would know that you don't go through the dueling grounds unless a duel is happening. And Lady Clotilde is on the opposite uh, side of the dueling grounds. Not a big deal, but you guys make your way around the outside, passing by uh, Librarian Genevieve, who has taken a seat on one of these benches, and she is uh, you, you know she is the Marchioness uh, representing Cadriel. Uh, she's taking notes about all that transpired, uh, but you pass by her, and as you approach uh, the gardener, uh, Lady uh, or Gardener. Marchioness uh, Clotilde, you see this um, thin, tall, red-skinned woman. She's got these big, uh, like dark black horns that kind of arch backwards um, over the back of her neck. Um, she is um, uh, probably in her early to mid forties, um, and she is dressed relatively plainly but expensively. Um, you see that she's talking to a couple of different attendants. Uh, some servants of some kind are talking to her. And as you approach, you see that there are two guards that are also standing near her, giving her protection. Um, but they both kind of bow to you, seeing that you both are the victors um, of the duel that literally just happened. Um, and they allow you to approach uh, the gardener as she finishes talking with one of her attendants and she turns to both of you and she says, Blossoming storm, blazing sun, congratulations on your victories. Thank you, Lady Marchioness. Uh, yes. Um, thank you, I suppose. And what do I owe the pleasure of two of the heavenly swords? Well, you are kind of the, um, the ranking acolyte of Moshe in the country. And, uh, we have experience with Moshe. We were wondering what your recent experience with Moshe has been. She, she kind of um, holds up a hand, not like up, like up by her face, but it's kind of like, you see her kind of raise her hand up like by her waist and kind of hold her palm down, indicating like, um, quiet. And she turns to her attendants and she says, that will be all. I will see you tomorrow morning. And then um, she uh, informs the guard. She says, I will be heading back to the Abbey of Balance. You're no longer needed. The swords of the heavens will protect me. And then she turns to the two of you um, and she says, Please, if you wouldn't mind leading the way back to the Abbey, we can chat along the way. I'll provide my arm because uh, looking at her token, she's quite the hottie. <laughs> <laughs> she accepts it. Aw, oh, man, Nari's got some FOMO now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad Nari's not here. She'd just be creeping on you. <laughs> oh, 100%. She's like, um, I don't know who that is. 
She was she was the second second. Ah, yes, in the, the second second with the puff paint. <laughs> yes, with the puff and the and the run through banner yes, yeah. that nobody ran through. I thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> so you have experience with with Lord Moshe. Tell me what what do you know of Lord Moshe's recent uh, whereabouts? Oh, his whereabouts. So you don't you don't know where he is. You don't feel his presence as you once did. I was worried that would be the case. I feel his presence. And then she looks around. She says, but I do not feel it the same as I once did. It has changed. Ever since the dead zones, those those lines, those what would she call them? She would call them ravines of death. I don't know what she would call them. <laughs> yes, ever since those necrotic ley lines appeared across Pavantis, um, he has changed. He's wild. He's always wild, but angry and, and hurt and and weakened. We knew the avatar of Lord Moshe. And um, there was a ritual, a very important ritual, the nature of which I don't completely understand. But uh, I think in order to complete that and to do a great deal of good, I fear Lord Moshe was... Wounded or sapped of some of his strength? Well, regardless, how do I want to put this? His avatar's no more. And in his place, there is a great beast somewhere loose. Last we saw it was in the, the mountains near Kalta. We don't know where he is, but I was wondering if you might have some insight into what this creature might be and how it may be appeased. She thinks on it for a, for a bit and she says, no, I know where he is. I, I can feel him. I can feel his hurt. I can feel his anger. That creature of which you speak, I fear that is the last of Lord Moshe's power. I feel, I fear that is Lord Moshe himself. On Pavantis though, on, in, throughout. He travels quickly. Even now, he is across the sea, north, hmm. north and east. If that's the last of his power, is, it, is he in a state like a, a, a period of recovery? Or is this kind of, he is now feral and this is it? Do you know, is there, is there hope for Moshe? He is an injured animal, and nothing is more dangerous than an injured animal. Will he heal? I pray he will heal, but I do not know. But for Pavantus's sake, I hope. His power is fading, even the power he has gifted me. It has faded. I still have some. What does that portend for the for the world as it is. She looks at you, Richter, and she's kind of, you see like a, like a glassy look in her eyes as a tear falls down her cheek. And she says, I don't know. I don't know what the title is for the acolyte of Artari and the crypt keeper of Artari. What's, what's the title? The ancient, the ancient of Artarian. Yes. It's Mar it's, it's Marquis ancient Marcel. Marquis ancient Marcel. Was he the one who was the next Annette? Yes. Oh, he and Annette were quite um, 
quite the pair. He was an older man. He was uh, bald, had like white facial hair, dressed very nicely um, in sky blue. Um, he had like a white mustache, bald head, um, and they were sitting next to each other, um, ready to enjoy the duel. Got a television show, right? Um, Tales from the Crypt? <laughs> <laughs> he does terrible puns about being dead and stuff. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> yes, that is that is Marcel. Well, never mind. I think he was far too close to Annette to be trusted. Oh, 100%. He was the first to fall in her pocket. Yes, well, I just, I guess I was, I was just wondering if there may be an accord made with Atari and herself. Well, Marcel is not the one to talk to. Okay, yes, we, you know, here in Men and Rest, we care about balance, and uh, Lord Moshe, Lady Atarian, they're two sides of the same coin, and I think um, maybe her aid could be sought for Lord Moshe. That is a, an interesting idea. I shall... I shall ponder it and and definitely take it take it to heart. Her acolytes probably don't know, but she definitely would know if there was something going on with the forces of life on Pavantis. For sure. Yes. 100%. And as you guys are walking, you see that you're at the Abbey of Balance, and she looks up at this towering structure, this beautiful structure um, that, Pine, you've been in multiple times. Richter, you've been in a couple times, too. You were in there during Pine's uh, tribunal, actually. Mm-hmm. And she looks back at you and she says, Well, I I thank you for the information you've given me about my lord, Moshe. Um, but if you'll excuse me, I have a country to try, try to salvage. There's this guy. His name is uh, Temrid Pine Jr. He's really, he's really cool. If you ever get a chance to make his acquaintance, um, he, uh, he wants what's best for the country as a whole. Temrid Pine Jr., your son. Okay. Not just those within the city, but those who've been pushed out as well. Shameless. She um she nods. She says, "That is good to hear." If you'll excuse me, and then she walks up the staircase up to the entrance into the abbey. I watch her go, and then realize I'm kind of creeping, and then I'm like, "To the lounging <laughs> hound." <laughs> All right, you guys go to the Lounging Hound. Um, Roos and Nara, you guys have saved some spots. You know, drinks are being poured. Um, you guys are sitting around looking at these. I'm showing off my new axe. I'm really excited about it. Showing off this axe. It's got this beautiful, like, dark wood handle with, like, uh, like gold wrappings. And it's got, like, filigree on it and, and that kind of thing. And then the axe blade is just kind of a typical great axe, but... Yeah, it looks like it's going to be effective. Um, so yeah, you now have two great axes, which is, I mean, I think that's very fitting for Nari, actually, at this point in the campaign, to have two great axes strapped across your back. Why not? <laughs> um, Hell yeah. Um, yeah, you guys are sitting there in the lounging lounge, or in the lounging lounge, the lounging hound. <laughs> <laughs> My next character is going to be named Hounging Lound. <laughs> You guys find some comfy seats in that cigar smoking room uh, that uh, that Pine was talking about. Um, no, wait, was that the hounging, lounging hound? It's <laughs> so hard to say. <laughs> the hounging lounge. <laughs> Which one had the cigar room? Uh, no, that was uh, that was the belly up. Lounging hound has a place that's similar. You know, um, a place to light up some cigars, uh, celebrate. You have people coming over, clapping you guys on the back, saying, "Hey." great job with that duel. You guys did amazing. Uh, and that kind of thing. People are buying you drinks. 
Um, if you guys aren't careful before you know it, you wake up with headaches. So who here wakes up with a headache? Nari does. She celebrated her new baby. She gave birth to this thing. Uh, Pine, Pine, um, we'll, we'll celebrate with some drinks, but while we're talking, I do want to have a quick little aside with, with Richter. Sure. Richter, you comported yourself so well in that fight. You were calm and you were, uh, you understood and what was, you know, at stake and you were like willing to, to, to forego the title if this other person bested you. And I, I gotta say, I was impressed. I wish that that had been my feelings as well. I don't want you to think that I'm, I, I don't want to die with this title. Well, and you know, I, like I want, I want some young upstart who loves swords as much as I did at that age to, to be better than me, to take the title from me. But uh, yes, I, I, I got the strong impression that your situation was vastly different than what I was dealing with with this Cassian individual. Uh, not that I've had a chance to really look into his, into his character and and his persona, but it seemed like he wasn't necessarily a bad fellow. You know, perhaps he took on this mantle and this title without the authority to do so. But, I mean, as far as many probably were concerned, I was perhaps long since dead. And somebody should assume that title. I don't know. I I did not sense any malice in the individual. And so I I could not, you know, approach that, uh, that altercation as though there were any malice to be seen. To be to be experienced, you have children, Temrid. I, I don't. I don't have any children. I do. Oh yeah, I do. Sorry. That means you've done things at least once. <laughs> <laughs> he sheathed the blade a few times. <laughs> <laughs> something, something, Falchion. Is Richter going to ask for the talk? He's like, how? How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, R- Richter's just like. You know, you you have children, and I think the idea of having someone that you would pass down your knowledge or your skill has perhaps been something that you've thought about uh, as a parent. It's something that's been on your mind. I've never really had that myself. And so, in a way, I kind of was hopeful that perhaps this Cassian individual would prove himself worthy of the title and he may yet perhaps prove himself that and i don't want to be this the blazing sun it is a blazing sword though which is cool anyway <laughs> yeah hell yeah. hell yeah to that pine takes a shot <laughs> <laughs> not to be outdone richter quickly hurriedly takes a shot too and uh he's like he's like i, I don't want to be the blazing sun forever and i i won't be i'm starting i'm getting old and so, in a way, I'm kind of hopeful that he could become a protege. That makes perfect sense. Um, well, I just wanted I wanted it to be very clear, Richter, that I thought you were every bit the blazing sun of the eastern sky in that fight. You were, you were, you were calm, you were judicious in your movements and in your exertions, and you took the opportunity to teach as you were fighting i i caught some some of it as i was trying not to die <laughs> i just i wanted i wanted it to be very clear that i that i um i respect you 
And that I thought, think that I think you're the best, man. You're, you're the best. Yes. Get this guy another drink over here. This guy. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it wasn't quite like this when when I took the title from Kinnig. You know, you know, it was he. We we fought well, but it was also it was also almost more for show. You know, mm-hmm. where it was like the the succession was kind of new. Quick, uh, let's do a quick shot. Let's do another shot. As you guys are getting um, lit, um, uh, at some point you guys are doing toasts and clinking glasses and everything, and um, and actually Cassian is there, the the man that you bested, Richter, um, sharing drinks and swapping stories with you guys as well. Do you remember what is said? Not at all. <laughs> Nothing. You guys are you guys are so far gone. Roos and Nari. So Nari is drinking. Roos, what are you up to? Roos has found someone that'll listen to him. And he's just like at the bottom of a drink saying, <laughs> the mustache curled so perfectly. I just don't know that I could ever do that. It's on the verge of tears. And at that point, you realize that you literally have like um, alter self or disguise self as a spell and you could totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Also, you've been sharing that whole story with a coat rack. <laughs> it doesn't feel the same though it's not his <laughs> so after a night of kind of celebrating and just relaxing here at the lounging hound you guys um i guess you kind of uh stagger your way back to uh the belly up in um and hudley uh is up and she helps you to your rooms especially you mr pine um you find yourself leaning on her every bit as much as you do your cane <laughs> as she's helping me up to my room i'll be like hey hudley i think you're an, i think you're a nice lady um but you you should be nicer you should be nicer to the poor people outside of town <laughs> she pats your hands and says it's yeah they're there you're drunk <laughs> <laughs> Classist bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Nari? Speak up. I'm like, oh, I'm all there. I love this axe. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. Oh my gosh. This is going to be an interesting night. Hudley, 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 Hudley. Yes, 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 Mr. Pine. Did you, did you see her axe? <laughs> No, she's fine. I only have baby. eyes for you. She's got two now. And mm-hmm. one of them, one of them she didn't have before. Well, Mr. Pine, I'm, I'm more interested in your sword. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> right and here. she takes you to your room and she uh, uses her own key that she has to unlock your door and let you in. And I, I don't know how drunk you are. I imagine she helps take your boots off or whatever. And then, and then she leaves you to it. I was going to have everyone make a perception check in the morning to see if anyone noticed her leaving your room. <laughs> but I'm not going to take that decision away from Pine. That yeah. is Matt's decision. So anyway. No, she would, she would not be staying overnight. All right. Um, so you guys bought horses. I'm assuming two horses. Or are you guys going to walk? You're going to hoof it? No, I, I got a horse. Okay. So I don't know much about I don't know much about horses. 
Like, what do you call it? It's like there's a walk and a trot and a canter and a gallop. I played that Mary Kate and Ashley game. Let, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I know if you give it one carrot, it goes fast. Two carrots will make it go fast for a longer time, but then it'll fatigue and slow down. Oh, it's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Mr. Feathers only has a waddle. That's it. <laughs> He does not have a canter. <laughs> Mr. No, Mr. Feathers is, is replaced with fish instead of carrots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my question is, which is the, uh, which is the smoothest? Because I know trots are like bounce, 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 bounce. It's just about speed. Like, uh, it's a, a walk. It's all pretty, it's all pretty awful. A, a walk is smooth yeah. and a gallop is relatively smooth. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, guys, we're either going very slow or very fast because I have the worst headache. I would imagine just a simple walk. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. As you guys uh, mount up and are heading out, now we are going to jump back ahead in time where we actually started this episode as you are riding along on the road heading from Collinium up to Brevedine, uh, which is this city that is northeast of Clinium. And you know that the earthquakes are getting, they're getting more powerful the further along the road you get. And you've noticed this as you've been traveling. Every once in a while you'll feel a tremor. And then it seems like the tremors are getting more and more violent. And um, you guys actually travel the whole first day on the road. And it gets to a point where the tremors are happening probably every probably hour and a half to two hours. Not crazy strong, but very consistent. And then it's time to set up camp for the night. So what do you guys want to do? You, want, you guys want to uh, camp on the road? You guys want to go off to the side? Um, anybody a strong enough spell cat? You guys should all have like Leoman's tiny hut by now, right? Or like if we had any spellcasters. Uh, a portable fortress. <laughs> I mean, you guys are like level 11. I, like this, this is all like level 11 stuff. So you guys still pitch intense? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're all pitch intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that would be that'd be Richter who has it or or Roos who has it. I don't have access to, to those spells. I don't know if either of you would have access to the spell like that. I don't i think yeah i'm i'm looking through my list and i don't even have anything of that nature no i don't i don't have anything like that either tense it is you guys set up tents uh are you going to be on the side of the road you guys gonna be on the road like the road at, at this point is all dirt um it, it it's not so important what is really important is after you set up camp and after you go to bed we're going to need to do a couple of rolls. But what do you guys do like kind of for bedtime? Talking to people, it sounded like, didn't some bandits or somebody take, or no, what was it? Their home. They had lost their home. Yeah, I think they were worried about bandits coming in and uh, looting after they left. Apparently there's uh, bandits doing that for all the farms where the farmers have no longer been able to, you know, keep their animals safe. It, that, that to me would indicate that it might behoove us to get off the road at least a little bit. I agree, and, and set up a watch. It would be nice if we could find some cover, but I also don't want to have trees overhead and have, you know, large limbs or anything fall on us in our sleep. Fair enough. So off, off the road a ways, but perhaps just in the open so that way nothing can fall on top of us. 
And maybe not a fire to not draw attention to us. Okay. <laughs> I bought these marshmallows for nothing. <laughs> it's the end of April, basically. Back in ancient times, people ate cold marshmallows, and they were okay. <laughs> it's not the same. What about the chocolate pine? <laughs> the chocolate. I've been known to enjoy a hard piece of chocolate, too. But my gums. <laughs> back in ancient times, literally back in earlier today, I ate myself a cold marshmallow. <laughs> awesome. All right. So you guys go to sleep. Are you guys doing a watch or anything like that? Yeah, let's set up. Uh, yeah. I guess we can do like we could do four watches, I guess. Just split it up. Yeah. Into yeah. That. Um, so what we're going to do, we haven't done this for a long time. Uh, we're going to have, um, tell me who's on first watch. Roos will take first watch. Okay. Make a perception or investigation check or survival check as you are watching around. Roos got a 30 perception. (laughs) (laughs) And he saw into the face of God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Roos takes a nap and just tells Squire to, like, walk around. And everybody thinks that Roos is paying attention, but it's really Squire. <laughs> well, Roos, with that 30 perception, um, golly, uh, you, you're sitting there at night. It's dark. Um, every once in a while, you can feel the earth start to shake. With your 30 perception, you don't know how you know, but something about the way the earth, it's its not just kind of shaking violently, like back and forth or oscillating. Um, it is actually, you feel the roll of the earth and you feel like it is rolling from, from where you're at. Basically, um, it's rolling kind of from the southwest and heading like well, let's say it's heading it's from the wet west by southwest and heading um east by northeast does that make sense like the roll of the earth it's rolling underneath you like almost like you can feel like a lump move under your butt as you are sitting there and is it moving the direction we're traveling it is moving roughly the direction you're traveling yes so there, now that's with a 30 now you know that Roos, if you were not so perceptive and had like some kind of a, a clue uh, or like some kind of a help from Squire or something, you would know that may- maybe it was just a trick of your mind, but you are fairly certain you feel that roll of the earth heading roughly in the direction that you are, you are headed. And he, and he, and Roos in the, in the night, he closely looks at Richter and watches how he vibrates and says, that's about a 4.5 on the Richter scale. <gasps> <laughs> Ooh, rimshot. Oh my gosh. Oh. See the see the way that his cheeks are jiggling. <laughs> That's how you know. Oh Cover my goodness. No, never. It's an old military <laughs> trick, you see? Sleep butt naked. You sleep with your, your long john butt flap open. That's right. <laughs> it keeps you from overheating. <laughs> It's an earthquake detector. You want to f- can get those cheeks slapping. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> the Richter scale. <laughs> All right. Who is next to have the watch? Pine will go next. Fine. Perception, investigation, or survival? Pine rolled in that one for a five. 
I think, Pine, you are um, the events of the day before, um, both the the uh, adrenaline from the um, from the fight as well as the uh, I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been all day, but you still are feeling you've been kind of off all day because you drank so much. You just kind of. Yeah, he's still hung over. Yeah. 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 Basically, you're still all day. And uh, you even tried laying on hands, you know, and everything, giving yourself <laughs> some commander's morale. And it still didn't work. Um, but you're just kind of sitting there and you, you feel yourself kind of getting distracted, holding your head as like uh, your kind of your brain starts to pound. Um, and after two hours, you're like, OK, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, 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 I've got to get somebody else up. You got to get some rest. As soon as everybody else is asleep and like it's Pine's turn to watch, he's sitting there and he's just, you know, he's off, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden it occurs to him. I think Hudley wanted to sleep with me. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that's bonkers. There was a sock on the doorknob. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. All right. Who is uh, who's next on the watch? Uh, Nari will pick up the third watch. Okay, Nari, why don't you make a perception, investigation, or survival check? All right. Uh, that was a nat 20 for also a 30, Ruth. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Wow. <laughs> okay, I see your 30. I see it. <laughs> if, if we're going to get snuck up on by bandits, it's going to be like um, Elder Scrolls bandits where we're high enough level that they show up wearing glass armor and, and like have all super powerful magic weapons, but they're still just <laughs> bandits. <laughs> Okay, so Nari, with your 30, okay, so, I mean, so the rolling of the earth was kind of the high perception check. Um, so, uh, Nari, with your 30, um, we'll say as you're sitting there at the uh, at the fire, just kind of uh, keeping it going a little bit. I oh, know you said no fire, right? As you're sitting there uh, holding your new axe, you know, um, you uh, you hear some rustling in the branches and in the bushes kind of off kind of on the uh, on the on the west side of the road, uh, there's like a hedge here along the road and you hear some rustling. Something is going on there. And as you glance over at the side, um, you see um, the glint of steel um, as well as um, kind of hushed whispers. Um, and they, the voices, you can't, you can't make out totally what they're saying, but you hear something like, I tell you, they're right over here. If we sneak up, we can get their stuff. They won't even know we're there. Nari will proudly unsheath her new axe and say, Hey, fellas, do you need anything? Um, so why don't you, just for funsies, uh, make an intimidation uh, check uh, with advantage because you totally startled them. Okay, uh, with advantage, that was a 17. Okay, you hear... Oh! And, and then you hear rustling in the bushes as these whoever was approaching um, dashes off away from you as fast as they can. Paul, that's a, I thought that's a first. We're going to have to bleep somebody besides Sabrina. <laughs> wow. No, I did I, at one point quote Bill O'Reilly and say, we'll do it live. I, I know. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Sabrina, the rest of your, um, or sorry, Nari, the rest of your watch goes uh, without incident. Took care of that. And now Richter is the last. I am. Richter, you are up. Why don't you go make perception, survival, uh, investigation, or, um, yeah, perception, investigation, or survival. I'll roll an investigation. And I rolled a nat one. 
Wow, look at this, guys. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we have rolled several nat ones and a nat 20 in like the first five rolls of this entire night. Two two nat ones and two 30s. <laughs> uh, Richter, you're sitting there and I don't know what you're thinking about, but at some point it dawns on you. I think Hudley wanted to sleep with Pine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the sock on the doorknob meant. <laughs> And Richter, as you're sitting there, the sun starts to come up and um, your your night is over. Your night worth of watch is uh, is over and you can continue on. As you recall what you were told by the farmers, the Blanchard family, um, their farm was a day and a half up the road. And then as, there's a stream that cuts across the road. And if you follow the stream east, uh, more inland, you'll come to their farm. And then the farm you're looking for is the the um, millet farm, which is up over a rise north of the Blanchard farm. And so total, the whole trip should take you about two days. You should get to the millet farm sometime around dusk. All right. Well, let's, let's make our way that way. So as you guys are traveling along the road again, you travel for about five or six hours. Uh, and then you see this stream that cuts across the road. And uh, it seems everything seems about right. This is probably when you should go um, kind of off the main road. Uh, there's a path that winds uh, kind of off in through the plains. Uh, it's a dirt path that looks not super well-worn, but it's easy enough to follow. Um, and you start to follow that um, off the main road and towards what you hope is the Blanchard Farm. Hey, Richter, did they say how far you know we were supposed to follow this this uh, stream? Um... I believe, didn't they, uh, oh gosh, I already forgot. Was it, uh, up over the hill? Is that what it was? So the, the, the farm, the farm for the family that you met is if you continue following the stream, it will take you right to their farm. Once you find their farm, uh, then the farm you want, uh, the millet farm is up and over a rise. That's right. That is north of their farm. Yes. Got it. So, okay. I'll, I will just have relayed that to Pine just to make sure. All right, okay, well, I mean, it's pretty out here. Right, it's pretty, yeah, right, it's, Paul? <laughs> yeah, it's very pretty. It's like it's like rolling hills and, like, trees. Oh, I forgot. There was one other check you guys needed to make while you guys were sleeping. I need everyone to make a um, constitution check. It's pretty simple. Difficulty oh, 13. Cool. Everybody should get plus four. Um, I need to know if you got a good rest or not. You, you're saying I got a plus four, but I still uh, poop. <laughs> yes, you poop. <laughs> you still pooped? Oh, no. So, Richter. Richter. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Not this. Richter and Pine, both. Oh, yeah. no. I, yeah, we both got 12s. Oh, no. You guys both have a level of fatigue as you guys could not sleep well because of the shaking, the constant, you know, um, rolling of the earth. The ground felt like a waterbed. (laughs) That's not even more cozy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 but your part, a waterbed, but your partner has restless leg syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Roos got a nat 20 on his constitution save. I, I hate you a little bit. Just wanted you to know that. I think he is because he started sleeping early and Squire was doing the watching for him. 
Roos like springs up in the morning. He's like, I feel great. Nothing like a good night out in the outdoors. And like Pine and, and Richter are like, oh, my back. <laughs> These old men. <laughs> uh, Nari got a 13, but if I get plus four, it would, it would be 17. So so um, the two swordsmen um, have a level of fatigue each. What does one level of fatigue do to you? Let's remind our listeners. We have disadvantage on we have disadvantage on skill checks. Okay. All right. But not attacks. No, not not attacks, attacks. not saving throws. Our speed is still full, but it's just now we have disadvantage on all of our ability checks. So Um, as you guys mount up, uh, yeah, Pine and Richter are looking a little bit older, like just kind of worn out. Bigger bags under their eyes. Do you need a hand getting up crumbles? I got this, jeez. Oh, <laughs> not that old. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. You just, you just look a little tired. That's all. Well, what, you want to put me in a home or something? I got this. I got this. <laughs> Unless if you want to be put in a home. I mean, if that's what you want, I'm happy to put you in a home. What kind of food do they have in this home? Can I go to said home if it has good food? <laughs> the best food. <laughs> The the Menorese food. Ah. Cheese and wine. <laughs> Just ah. charcuterie boards. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Charcuterie boards? I do love those. Oh, yes. Ah. Okay, we'll talk about this home later, but I can get on my own mount. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, okay, you guys continue traveling. As you guys travel um, now along this stream, uh, on, this, on, uh, on uh, the south side of the stream, uh, you find a place uh, where the, the path actually uh, fords across the stream until you're on then the north side of the stream, and then you continue following along, and in the distance, there's, there's like little... Um, little what's it called like little uh cops a cops of trees um little thickets here and there but for the most part it's plains uh and uh after a while again the earth is shaking um earthquakes are happening these tremors are happening quite regularly in fact now they're about every hour or every 45 minutes and they are becoming more violent as you're traveling along this path along the stream um after a while, you can see in the distance what looks like some buildings. Uh, and this is the first sign of civilization you've seen since living, leaving Clinium. Uh, you assume this must be the Blanchard Farm. As you approach the farm, the path, this, uh, this path you've been following, it, it kind of comes up towards the farm right on the edge of this field. As you approach uh, these buildings, this farm, um, what you assume must be the Blanchard Farm, it, the path you've been on approaches uh, on the southwest side of this farm, and as you approach it, it comes to this. Looks like a field. It looks like there's some like cabbages or or cauliflower, something growing uh, in the farm. Like it looks like the beginnings of some of some plants. You see, there's another field uh, kind of behind it, a little bit bigger field, but it looks unkempt. You can see that there are tools and things that are just kind of lying in the field um, and lying in the dirt, like they were just kind of left. Um, you see things that looks like they've been knocked over, like a, a horse trough. It looks like there's a, a wheelbarrow that's been knocked over. The gates are left open. You see no sign of animals. As you uh, look north of these fields, you can see uh, what looks like two buildings. One looks like some sort of a small house, and the other looks like a barn or a stable of some kind. But the roof of the stable has caved in. Um, and you can see kind of inside the stable, 
but um, again, the roof is in, caved in and, and it looks like the building, even the house, the small house, looks like it's taken some severe damage just from the shaking um, of, the, uh, of the earth. So here you are at the Blanchard Farm. Did they say how much farther it was to the Spry's and the other farm? Like, could we get there tonight or do we have to stay here in this spooky old ghost farm? Uh, they said it was just beyond an upper rise. Uh, my guess is it's still a bit further. You know that um, uh, it will take... Um, uh, y- you should get there about dusk. It looks like there's probably another, a couple of hours before the sun goes down. So, um, yeah. And, and also, you can see back behind these buildings, you can see where the, where the, uh, the fields kind of rise up. Uh, there's this kind of hill... Uh, that you would have to go over to get to the millet farm. It doesn't look like it's rough going or anything like that. It looks very easy to travel, but you cannot see the other side of the hill from where you are. I think perhaps let's plan to, let's quickly just check these homes to make sure that they're clear so that way we can let them know that they're safe to return to, and then we continue on our way. Does that sound reasonable? That'd be... The neighborly thing to do. Well, let's go. Just make sure everything's all clear. Uh, Richter's going to draw his sword and kind of just start moving forward. As will Pine on the back of Crumbles. Okay, perfect. And Nari will follow. I need to give my my steed a name, though. Hmm. <laughs> what color is your horse? Should call it a horse of a different color. Uh, I think my horse is like a beautiful chestnut brown, but I, I don't think I've come up with a name for it yet. I got to think about it. That's okay, because you know what they say about a horse with no name. After nine days in the desert sun, the horse began, you let the horse run free. You rode through the desert? They say something about it. I don't I was going to say, I don't know. Because <laughs> the, the sand had turned to sea. There were rocks and birds and rocks and things. To be honest, when that song comes on, I I turn it off. I don't like the song. <laughs> you see, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. Okay, you guys are kind of approaching the house. This small, it's looks like it's about maybe 20, 25 feet by 20 feet. Um, it's relatively small. There's a, there's a, a chimney sticking out of the, uh, of the wall. Um, and as Richter and Pine are approaching the door, Richter opens the door. Boom! Uh, Richter does a oh no 13 hit you it does not a crossbow bolt goes flying past your head and as you open the door you can see there are two um, two men in there they look they look a little rough not just rough like as in kind of a rough sort but like they've they've maybe been through a bit of a, a bit of a tussle um, you see, like, their clothes are matted with dirt and potentially blood. You see that they have kind of a wild look to their eyes. One of them is is uh, shot a crossbow at you and is literally trying to grab a bolt to crank the crossbow again as the other one draws a short sword and says, We, we, we don't want anything. Leave us alone. We didn't take anything. We promise. We just want to go. Richter is going to... Who, so the the crossbow came from the one kind of dead ahead of him. 
Yeah, yeah. So the one that's straight ahead is literally cranking the crossbow again, um, and then the one on the left over by the by the uh, the hearth. Um, he is, he's kind of got, he's got his sword sword out and he's pointing at you. You see it kind of shaking. He's like, we don't want any trouble. We, we, we didn't take anything. We just, we just want to get out of here. Richter is going to rush in and do an attack against the guy that's trying to arm the crossbow again, but he's, I wanted to use non-lethal damage. Um, Okay, we won't even need to roll initiative for this. I'll just let you guys each do a turn before they get to move because um, you guys are level 11. Go ahead, make your attack. Okie dokie. An 11 to hit for the first attack? Um, I think that actually might actually hit. It does! Oh, wow. This guy is wearing leather armor. He's got like a mace, uh, but he's cranking a, a crossbow. He's cranking it. Yeah, crank that crossbow. He's just cranking it. Just cranking it. <laughs> crank that crossbow. It would be 12 damage. Um, he doesn't have the... Kinexus stock isn't like a flame at this point. And it would be 12 non-lethal. All right, you wallop up this upside the head. Um, and um, he... It looks like you did some pretty good damage, but he is still kind of standing. He's He kind of steps back, and he's, he's like... He kind of lets go of the crossbow, and he starts reaching for his mace instead. Okay, one more one more hit. Go for it. Again, non-lethal. 13 to hit. Yeah, those terrible rolls, but it's fine. Yes, that hits. For 10 more damage. Okay, this guy is actually still standing. He seems... This guy seems <laughs> kind of sturdy, kind of, kind of tough. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, you've, you've definitely, I mean, he is like, like bleeding now, uh, just from the concussive force of your, of your sword hitting upside the head. Um, and he's kind of grabbing his shoulder from the second blow, uh, but he's reaching for his mace. So he will try to swing back at you on his turn, but let's give, uh, Pine and Nari and Roos a turn as well. Pine will say, go ahead, Nari, I want to see that new axe in action. Oh, hell yeah. Nari will take out her new axe and, and very like she doesn't want to hurt this guy. Like, clearly he's got stuff going on, but she's going to. Oh, my Jesus. F- um, She's going to hit him for a nat 20. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so perfect. Nari nat 20. Um, but nicely just to knock him out. Going <laughs> to hit him uh, with a nat 20, but as, nicely. As, as one does. Um. And that is uh, 16 damage. Okay, yeah, you, as he's like pulling on his mace, focusing on Richter, you just kind of step around Richter and just wall up him right upside the head, and he falls like a sack of potatoes. Um, you can see he's got like, he's breathing raggedly, but it doesn't look like he's gonna die. He is, he is definitely knocked out. I love this new axe. I gotta say, that wasn't 16 damage. Oh, no, that it definitely was wasn't, it was 28. 28 damage, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> damage it was soft it was sweet oh my gosh okay you've got two attacks left and you still got like five feet of movement there's this other guy here holding a short sword out at you he's like and he's just saying we just want to go we just want to go he says we'll we'll put it all back we'll put it all back and dari will kind of like lower her axe a little bit and be like we're not here to hurt you guys i just don't like being shot at as the blood from that dude is like dripping down her blade It's just bruised and a little cracked. It's fine. <laughs> Can we all sit down and maybe have some tea? This guy, he throws down his short sword and he kind of puts his hands up and he says, he says, just, just don't hurt me. 
and he kind of he's kind of looking around you at his at his compatriot to make sure he's he's okay um just make sure he's still breathing and he's like listen we we came out here for some easy pickings but uh, it's it's not worth it anymore here and he kind of starts reaching into his pocket. for an easy buck right yeah, he starts reaching into his pocket. He pulls out like a little sack and he throws it on the ground in front of him. He's like, "Here, this is what I got here. I, 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 it's not worth it. If you, if you let me go, you can even have the sword." Uh, before you go, why isn't it worth it? What have you seen? I think it's graboids, right? Is it graboids? I don't know what a graboid is, but if it's a creature that pops up out of the <laughs> earth and attacks you, then yes, it's graboids. Oh, oh. Where's Kevin Bacon when you need him? <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Kevin Bacon, sure, but Michael Gross. Give me Michael Gross. <laughs> he, was the, he was the crazy guy with all the ammunition? Yes. Fantastic. The star of all the sequels. <laughs> As you guys are quoting obscure 80s movies, he's moving towards the door. <laughs> very... Very slowly. Uh, I think Nari will step towards him and be like, "Hey, hey, hey, bud, let's. You gonna leave? Are you gonna leave your buddy in this state? Let's all take a take a chill pill." He, he was he was an acquaintance of convenience. Well, now we all are. So let's take a seat. Yeah, you can see that all the furniture in here has been knocked over. A lot of it is actually like broken from the from the shaking and everything. You see that there is actually stones falling out of the fireplace. Uh, that's how violent the earthquakes have been here in this in this area. Are there any earthquakes like in this farm or are we do we feel like this is the right place? Uh, the the farm that you were kind of told about is still up over the hill. Gotcha. What can you tell me about the farm that's up above the hill? Have you gone there? Do you know what what's it what it's like that direction? It says, yeah, it's a uh, it's death. The, the farm up there was, it's, it's untouched, it's pristine, but, but nobody's there. And then we were, we were approaching it and some of my, some of my, he kind of looks over at the guy who's knocked out. He says, some of my, my allies, some of my, my <laughs> friends, uh, they went in to, to check it out and they, they didn't come back out. It's eerie up there. It's like all this destruction, he kind of looks around the, around the house that you guys are in. He's like, all this destruction here and, and there it's, it's pristine. It's untouched. Do you see, have you seen any people around there? People coming or going? Up until a couple of days ago, yeah, there was a, there was a family there. They were still working the farm and they're not there anymore. So we figured we could go, go in. Maybe they had taken off to town for the market or something. And we we're going to go in and see what we could grab while they were gone. But like I said, some of my, some of my, friends went in and they they didn't come back out understood allow me to make one thing very clear we as my companion said we have no desire to hurt or kill anyone this day unless we have to now whether this man is a friend of yours or not i don't care but you are to take him and vacate the premises immediately you can even take your short sword with you for all I care. That's fine. But leave any gold or any valuables or anything at all that you've taken from this property and leave it here. Spread the word. This place is off limits to you and your kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. 
And he points to that little bag that he had touched. He's like, that's that's all the that's all the gold we found. The silver, I guess. And he kind of he's like, do he kind of looked back at the guy who's knocked down. He's like, do I do I have to take him? Yes. Piggyback. You gotta take him piggyback. And you better take good care of him. I don't know if you realize this, but my axe has magical qualities, and if he dies, you will too. Uh, make a deception check. <laughs> Sixteen. Not bad. Richter returns with his mouth open, and he's like, "Will it really do that? Wow, that's amazing. It's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I love this baby." <laughs> Maybe it's time I put down the sword and picked up the axe. This guy starts like just kind of slapping, slapping the cheeks a little bit, trying to wake this guy up. But the guy is just kind of like rolling his head back and forth. Um, and then he decides he's like, hey, there's a there's a wheelbarrow outside. I'll, I'll I'll get him in the wheelbarrow and then and then we'll be gone. Very well. Nari will also hand them just a little potion that she got from Gerard because I don't know, I feel kind of bad. I really didn't mean to go so ham on him. Yeah, oh, a healing potion. No, no. Hey, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. I'll just put five points of healing into him from Commander's Morale. The guy wakes up. And he's like, what? And this guy's like, we got to go now. Hey, guys, listen, I know times are tough here. And like, for example, Kalinium, they kind of hate the poor. Times are changing. There are people who are going to make a difference there. Working now. Uh, what do I want to say? Remember the name Tenrid Jr. No, no, I'm not going to give his name. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You'll find him in Moraville. <laughs> he lives at... His social security number. <laughs> he's my son. You know, his first pet's name was... <laughs> <laughs> you know his mother's maiden name? Um, <laughs> the school he went to in sixth grade. <laughs> anyway, no, the point is... Things are about to change in Kalinium for the better. For those less fortunate financially. There will be opportunities there for honest work. And for robbing people who do honest work. Yeah! All right! They high-five each they other. high-five and run away. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be rich! As they run away. <laughs> they, they take you listen to your words, and then they um, kind of help each other. Uh, the, the guy who didn't get knocked out kind of helps the guy who did get knocked out. Um, as they, they leave the farm, uh, following the path, heading back the way that you guys had come. And they leave you alone here in the farm. I picture them, like, le- remember on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World when the vegan police are leaving and they're like, yeah! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that part. That's how I'm picturing them running away. You mean uh, you mean Lorenzo Lamas was one of the was one of the vegan police? I'm pretty sure the renegade himself. Oh man! All right, okay, all right. Here you guys are in the Blanchard Farm in their little farmhouse that's been quite destroyed. I need everyone to make um, dexterity saves. Finally, I rolled the nat twenty. I got a twenty eight on my dex save, and we're we're close enough. Ayo, Nari rolled a one for a two. Oh no. <laughs> Well, you get plus four, so it's a six. <laughs> uh, Richter got a 13. I'm not sure if that would save, but I might use my ring to ensure I save. I got, I got, you get a plus four. We're close enough. You get another. Uh, Richter, you saved. 
Yeah, Richter, you saved. Nari's the only one who did not save. And uh, Nari, as you're standing there, you're still kind of in the house. Suddenly an earthquake starts, and it's definitely more violent uh, than you were feeling even on the road earlier today. And um, one of those stones from the fireplace, uh, it falls out and it clocks you upside the head for one damage. <laughs> Ouch, heck. Yes, uh, you also Quick, fall stones down. endurance. <laughs> <laughs> You also fall down. Uh, you get knocked prone, but uh, yeah, the one damage was not uh, not as yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, and then the earth sh- stops shaking after about um, after about forty five fifty seconds. Uh, it seems it seems a lot longer, but uh, just because it's so violent. But um, that's about how long it was actually shaking. As soon as the earth starts to shake, though, I would get away from the house because it could come down. You know. Yeah, for sure. Get under the doorway. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, or just get out of the building altogether. Oh, well, yeah, that's you. All right. Um, you guys are here at the Blanchard Farm. What are you guys going to do? Well, then let's keep going. I mean, we could take a peek in the other building, but the roof caved in. I don't know the... Probably, there's probably not a, a different band of <laughs> bandits waiting in that one. Didn't know about the first band of bandits. <laughs> Roos will take a peek in it as he you know, starts riding up over the hill. Not like a full investigation, but just like a glance. You see that it was a, it was like a um, uh, a barn. Um, it looks like they probably kept a lot of hay in here for their animals. They kept um, some some chickens and things, a little chicken coop. Um, but the roof has caved in, and actually underneath some of the fallen debris, you actually see like um, kind of the bones, uh, well, the the dead carcass of some. Um, some kind of a draft animal of some kind, either it's like an ox or a, or a horse. You can't tell, but uh, something when the roof caved in it, it definitely killed at least one animal in here. You can't tell the difference between an ox and a horse. Like this is Roos. We're talking about. Okay. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. He can't figure out how to work an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying all you can see like is the back leg. That's that's how I envisioned it anyway. <laughs> Roots is like judging by the back leg, it's either a horse, a ox, or I think it's probably a camel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it could be a camel. It could be a peekaboo, though. <laughs> Don't worry, feathers. I won't let it, a building fall on you. Bork, bork. <laughs> so, what are you guys gonna do? To the millet farm. Mm-hmm. Let's be on our way. You guys leave the Blanchard Farm and start going up over the hill uh, towards what you assume is the Millet Farm. Um, as you come over the hill, um, there's a couple more earthquakes as you're traveling. Uh, it takes a couple of hours, maybe three hours, to get up over this hill and down on the other side. But down on the other side, you can see there's kind of this, um, like a gully. And at the inside the gully, there's a look. There's a little pond, and then off to the side, you can see a little little farmstead. You can see a small uh, home. You can see there are some fields that are marked out with some fencing. You even see a little pig pen uh, with like some, like like a little. Uh, gross, muddy water and stuff. Um, why don't you guys all make perception checks as you gaze down here at this farm? I got another net one for a five. You guys are doing great this... this. Uh... Yeah, man. Holy cow. Uh, Nari got a 14 for her perception. Richter got an 18. Bruce got a 31. <laughs> <laughs> Did he find Pigpen's, like, dirty blanket while... Uh... 
<laughs> That's Linus. Aww. But yeah, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it was. <laughs> sorry, wrong guy. So, um, Nari, with your 14, you can tell this farm is definitely more intact. It looks like um, there is really no damage here at all. Um, and also, the the building itself looks like it's uh, a little bit uh, better made anyway uh, than the um, than the other farm. Like, maybe the Millets were a little bit wealthier farmers than the Blanchards were. Um, uh, Richter, with your 18, uh, you can see that there are there's no sign of animals or life here at all. Um, it looks like, even though the farm looks to be in like perfect working order you see no signs of life um you would expect there to be pigs in the pig pen maybe a cow in the field or something like that you don't see any of that um no people moving around nothing Roos, with your 31 um you gaze down at this farm and i, I imagine that like a uh, uh squire kind of hops up on uh, uh feathers behind you and he does the whole like you know, thumb and finger into circles and puts them over your eyes and uh, gives you like binocular vision. And as you are, as you are gazing down at the farm, you can see that um, in the field that's kind of closest to you, that's kind of out in front of the, the house, you see that the, the field is very well plowed, very smooth, except one part. It seems like there's a little bit of a hill, a little rise in the dirt. Um, you wouldn't have noticed it because the ground is all tilled up and 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 muddy or not muddy but um all loose dirt but um just looking at it from this perspective you can see that um you know right about um well close to the eastern side of the field there is a a, a little a little hillock a little um a little rise in the uh in the dirt Guys, I think they've got a mole problem here. <laughs> oh my god! I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, these poor farmers—they got gophers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll point that out and and say, just be on the lookout. There's something underneath the underneath the earth here. Do we want to like uh, keep our mounts at a safe distance? That's probably a good idea. Should we time off in this this tree over here? And Roos will point to the tree that's kind of um, east of everybody. There's no, um, there's no disturbed ground over there. Um, with your five perception, um, <laughs> no, you actually. When he says that there's a hill in the, there's like a disturbance there in that field. You think that Roos is like making it up. I'm mean, not, not making it up on purpose, but you think he's 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 being too paranoid. Okay, well, if you guys all tie up your mounts, I'll just leave. Um, Crumbles will will like. Sur- surveil them, protect them as needed. Do we think that we should try to dig up this mound or do you think it's better left alone? I don't know much about moles, so um, I don't know that I'm the right person to ask. I mean, I noticed that there was not any animals around, which I feel like is very unusual, so my gut is telling me this might not be moles. I know that sounds crazy, it's probably voles with a V. Oh man, I get those mixed up. I don't. I don't think voles do that. Are there tracks through the grass? Because sometimes they'll like do these weird like lines through the grass. There are no tracks through the grass. Are, are there, Roos? I I don't see any tracks through the grass. I'm gonna go to the to the door and start walking towards the house. Let's see if we can find anything inside. Just everybody, be careful on your feet. There's probably something underneath us. Sword is drawn. OK, 
Okay, um, Roos, you walk up to the door. Um, don't open the door yet. What's everyone else doing as you are walking towards the door? Uh, Nari's gonna follow Roos right behind, axe in the ready. She's already pretty proud of how it's performed, so she's kind of excited to use it again. Yeah, Richter is sword drawn as well. Sorry, Richter said he was sword drawn. I just want to know where, where he's going. Uh, he's he's following as well. Pine is actually going to be, um, he's going to be with Crumbles a little bit longer because he's going to go ahead and upon Crumbles back, he will say, The frozen blade spells disaster. Frigid retribution stance. And because uh, Crumbles is my um, steed, uh, it actually applies to uh, him as well. So now we both have... Um, 10 temporary hit points, and if anything hits us, they'll take 10 cold damage. They cast it at level 2. Roos is also gonna uh, tap Richter on the shoulder and say, the balance of fate is skewed in our favor. Your AC goes up by 1, and we share damage. So you take half, I take half of everything that hits you. Ooh, you beautiful person. For one hour. I figured the squishies should stick together. Well, thank you. Wait, Squishy. (laughs) (laughs) But I do crunches. (laughs) All right. Okay, Pine, you are back uh, kind of by the mounts. You're on Crumbles' back as you do your frigid retribution stance. Uh, Richter, Nari, and Roos, you have all moved up about, I don't know, 60, 70 feet towards the door of this house. Roos, you said you were going to open the door. Is that what you wanted to do? That's what I want to do. Oh, and that plus one is also to your saving throws as well. Wow. Okay. So Pine will uh, Pine will get will have dismounted from Crumbles, and he'll be, you know, at, at this point he'll be starting to head toward the rest of the group. Um, at this point, as you Pine are getting off of Crumbles, you are no longer sitting on Crumbles. Roos reaches over, opens the door. Roos, what you see, you see a a nice kind of dining slash family room of this farmhouse. You see a table that has um, some nice, uh, you know, I mean, nice. Um, it has matching, you know, plateware and uh, and cups, which uh, is a surprise. It's a sign of some success, some um, some wealth as farmers. You can see that there is uh, food on the table. The, ta- the food on the table has not begun to rot or or uh, or anything like that, so it's relatively fresh. Um, you can see there's a stove at the back of the building. You can see that there's a door leading to another room here in the house on the on the uh, left side, on the on the west side of this room. Um, and uh, Pine, um, as you are dismounting Crumbles, when the door opens, what you see is rising up out of the earth, including that bump in the in the field that Ruth noticed upon approaching. I knew we should check that earth. These large figures come rising up out of the earth. Not so much like the earth falls off them, but literally like the earth forms them as they stand up. They are 10 or 12 feet tall. It looks like they are made out of rock. They have two big, huge arms and two small little arms. And it looks like you see three of them. One stands up in the field. One stands up in the pig pen. One stands up in another field further back. They look exactly like Graveler. They do? (laughs) Oh, yeah. They totally look like Graveler. (laughs) No. Shock. (laughs) 
And uh, a fourth figure rises up. This one's smaller. This one is made out of stone, covered in like moss and grass. And it is standing a little further east. Um, Its hands, though, look like they are just these big clubs made out of rock. And he looks strong and, I mean, tall, but not nearly as big as these other creatures. And Roos... And Richter and Nari, as you turn to see what has just happened and Pine, as you see these figures rise up out of the dirt and out of the grass, we are going to roll initiative next time. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Better get a squirtle out here. <laughs> yes, we do need a squirtle. We could have my, I can't remember what his, what his name is, but I have a very fancy duck on Violet, Pokemon Violet. Oh, actually. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So fancy. I'm trying to look up funny pony name, like horse names, too, to name my horse, and they're all just horse girl names. And it's terrible, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, you guys. Well, hey, welcome to the Millet Farm. As you see these uh, creatures made out of earth and rock, we are going to stop. And I just want to thank everyone for listening uh, this far into our podcast. And thank you guys for playing tonight. If you guys want more content, for sure, go check out our Patreon. We have bonus episodes. We have character sheets, maps. We have a wiki. Uh, we have um, just outtakes. We have outtakes where we swear. We have outtakes that um, are pretty funny. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check us out on Discord. Uh, the, the link is in our description. You can go in and chat with us. And uh, don't forget also we have a shop. You can get your Dodeca drip. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>